Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. Peace. Hey, and welcome back to Giovanni and Gerald's Movies and More, where I talk about movies and more. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. And today I'm here to talk about one of my all-time favorite Christmas movies, and it's okay sequel. That is, of course, Home Alone and Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. So these movies are phenomenons. You know, they were incredibly popular when they came out, and they have been ever since. There's no chance that you haven't seen them if you're listening to this. But in case you haven't, uh, in case you still haven't crawled out from that rock completely, let me recap them for you anyway. So the first movie follows uh, eight-year-old Kevin McAllister, who must protect his house from a pair of burglars when he has accidentally left home alone by his family during Christmas vacation. And uh, and the sequel follows the same kid uh, when it, he accidentally gets on the wrong flight, and he goes to New York while his family goes to Florida, and uh, he has to defend himself from the same burglars and protect uh, a toy store in downtown New York. So, I mean, what is there to say about Home Alone? It's just perfect. This is one of my favorite movies. Like, I said Christmas movies when I started, and that's true, but this is just straight up one of my favorite movies. I mean, I can't believe how well this movie still holds up all these years later. I mean, it's been 30 years since this movie came out, and it's still just as good now as it was back then. I think that, honestly, a lot of that comes down to just the writing. This movie is incredibly well-written, and despite the entire trailer and all the advertisements being about the traps and all the hijinks that goes on in that section of the movie, that's pretty short. I mean, it's really not that much of the movie when it comes down to it. The The real meat of this movie is uh, Kevin as a character and his relationship with his family. And I love that we take so much time to really focus on him and what he's going through and how his mind is being changed by this experience and, and all the stuff that he's learning along the way. And you really get to grow with him and connect with him as a character. And I love that like this movie at its heart, it's just a great family drama. And there's like uh, a lot of really sweet character moments throughout the whole thing. And then the the traps and all the, the funny stuff is kind of just the icing on the cake. The important part of the movie is everything around it. And I think that's one of the biggest things that separates this movie from a lot of its imitators because there were tons. I mean, after this, you get stuff like Blank Check, like Three Ninjas. I mean, it was ridiculous. Everybody wanted to cash in on this whole thing. And even I think the sequel gets this wrong. This movie really captured lightning in a bottle. And I think a lot of it, like I said, comes down to just how great the character work is top to bottom. Uh, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. We can start at the beginning because my first note is that this house is huge. And also that I want to visit it. Once I can take my trip out to Chicago that I've been dreaming up for years, we have to go down to Winnetka and check this out. I'd also like to check out uh, Cameron's house from Ferris Bueller. But yeah, this movie just off the bat has a great sense of place. You really get to know this family very quickly. And the opening scene is seamless. I mean, you move from character to character through this whole house. You're getting a bit of the layout of the house, which will be important later. You're getting to meet a bunch of these characters and you get an immediate sense for them. That leads immediately into the whole thing with old man Marley, which is a really great character. Um, 
and like there's just so much great setup in this and and there's like an almost unbroken shot where you go from like room to room you're you're seeing kevin interact with all these different characters and you're getting to see kind of how he feels small and kind of hated among this family and you understand why he's the 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 baby of everyone and no one really likes him he's kind of always picked on but he's also a little bit of a brat which will change as the movie goes on so i liked everything that happened in this first scene it's so good and then even in between that you have marv who obviously will play a much bigger role later and you don't quite know uh what's going on with him yet but like it's just such a seamless flawless opening and then i love everything after that like when he he um when he has the whole argument with his family, he wishes that they would all go away and he'd rather spend all this time by himself. And then when he wakes up in the morning and it appears that he did. And um, I mean, this movie just does such a great job at setting everything up. And I love how every possible thing you could have thought of that would be like, you know, why don't they just do that? Well, they have that base covered. He doesn't call the cops because he thinks he wished his parents away. There's no explanation for that. And he doesn't call the cops additionally because he thinks he's a criminal. Obviously, he's wrong. But in like the logic of an eight-year-old's mind, if you steal a toothbrush, yeah, you're, I mean, you're basically a felon. So you can understand why he would never think to call the police or ask for help. And you would think, well, why don't they just, uh, why don't they just like, you know, call somebody else and have them go check on him. Well, everybody in the neighborhood is uh, is out of town. They're all uh, they're all going on vacations themselves, and like the power is down for a while, so the phones, you know, you can't even call anybody, even if you were trying to. Like all this stuff, it's just they seamlessly close all these different loopholes, even down to like they threw away the boarding pass, so that's why they didn't notice when it wasn't there, and then. You have the whole thing with that kid from across the street who they accidentally factor into the head count, like all this stuff. It's so perfect. Everything that you would think of to maybe be a possible way out of it, they've got it covered. And I think that's why I'm very leery of this potential reboot that they're going to try to do on Disney Plus, because this is one of tons of movies from the 80s and 90s that uh, cell phones completely ruin. I mean, like. <laughs> And then on top of that, airport security. I mean, good God, they're running in this movie and in especially in Home Alone 2. Um, there's a lot of very uncomfortable things that have changed since 9-11, obviously. It's a lot more evident in Home Alone 2 because he actually visits the Twin Towers. But even before that, I mean, they're just running through this airport like crazy people. And then they just hop right on a plane. I'm like, what? <laughs> like what is so foreign to me i mean like since i've been alive that's just never been a thing that's been uh part of my life i mean you just know going in that you have to budget in like a couple hours to to get your way through airport security and get everything done on time and you're probably going to be laid over like eight times i mean it, it's insane i mean like <laughs> or not laid over um delayed i don't know why i said that but yeah, that's just crazy. Like, it's such a different world back then. But besides that, uh, this movie is, like, very just fun to watch. I think that it has a really great pace, and it keeps you interested through the whole thing, even when it's just Kevin having fun in the house. And then uh, you steadily get to meet more characters, like Old Man Marley, who I mentioned before. But I like that whole thing of, like, the, the neighborhood urban legend. I mean, a lot of people can obviously relate to that. It's a very common thing when you're a kid. 
And then the fact that that's not him at all. And that's part of Kevin's growth about shattering all these things that he believes because he's so young. I mean, that he thinks that this person is a murderer. And then it turns out this guy is just a really nice, lonely old man uh, who maybe could have smiled or said something before uh, that church scene because, I mean, he's not really doing much to dispel his creepy image by just staring like a bad man. But whatever. Um, that's more of a nitpick than a legitimate problem with the movie. Uh, the, the music is so good, not just the way they incorporate the different uh, Christmas songs into this, but then the actual score as well. I can't tell you how many times I've got that theme stuck in my head and I'm just walking around the, the house or like doing something else. And I'm like, like, it's very catchy. And there's other parts of music that are really awesome, too. When he runs out of the church and he he's going home and he lays out the battle plan. I mean, that's rousing. You you're like, yeah yeah, you better defend this house. I'm hype. Like it's, it's a great piece of music. And, um, and then, yeah, that leads into the, the traps and then the whole ending with the family. Like that's amazing. It's so heartwarming. Um, John Candy is also really good in this. I love that part. Not only is he just like, you know, cute and lovable John Candy, but then he's like, he's just got some of the best lines where he's like, I mean, he was okay after a little while, you know, finally started speaking after six months or so. Like, oh my god, he's so funny in this movie. His old thing where he's trying to you know, describe all the polka things that they're famous for, and she's just like, what? Like, she just doesn't get it. It's just not computing. All that. It's so funny. Uh, everybody's really great in this. And I love this movie. I mean, there's not much that I can say here that hasn't been said before. Um, I think my only, literally my only complaint is that... Um, the CPD does not look very good in this movie, the Chicago police. Um, I don't know what's going on with freaking Porkins writing that ticket who tries to chase him, chase him down. He gets easily outrun by a small child, which, I mean, I guess someone's less egregious than the whole like, yeah, tell them to count their kids again. I was like, okay, uh, that's that guy's last day uh, being employed by this police force. That was ridiculous. That one always gets me. I've always thought that was really stupid. That whole thing where she's like, like, can you just go check on him? She's like, you want me to check on your son? Like, they get so put out by what's a pretty realistic uh, problem. And they just keep transferring around. And I'm like, guys, what are you doing? This is like such an easy request. And then this dude's just like, knock, knock, knock. Nah, nobody's here. All right. <laughs> like, oh, great. Like, you guys are so useful. Surprised they even come to... Uh, they even come to arrest them at the end of the movie. <laughs> but anyway, uh, that's good. I think I've said my piece on this movie. I really do love it. And uh, also, obviously, Macaulay Culkin is really good in this movie, which is important to say because I don't think he's very good in the sequel. So now I think it's about time to, to talk about the sequel. It's a good segue. Um, I don't like the sequel very much. It's okay. I think it's okay. It reads to me more as like an imitator of Home Alone than a legitimate sequel to Home Alone. Uh, it really is one of those, you know, there's like a multitude of movies like this from the similar era where you just kind of have to pretend the first one doesn't exist, which I think is the worst way a sequel can be. Um, Batman and Batman Returns are kind of like that. Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2 are kind of like that. There's other examples that I'm just, you know, they're not coming to mind. But, I mean, this movie is it's kind of ridiculous how easily they forget about him again. And it's like, um, 
I don't know. It's another one of those things where airport security completely ruins this. But it's like, how did you sleep in again? Like, how did this exact sequence of events almost happen again? They tried a little bit more with, like, you know, the whole separation at the airport and, and like, Kevin's digging through the bag and stuff. But, I mean, even that, I'm just like, yeah, that makes a little bit more sense for an eight-year-old. That does not make sense for like a 10-year-old, 9 or 10, however he, old he is in this movie. I mean, like, what are you going to be recording on the plane, kid? Like, can we just, can we move it along? And dad's like, you know, they, they're not looking at him. I mean, listen, I'm, I know for sure that a lot of times you let things slip when you're running around. There's a lot of commotion. You're rushing. You're trying to get somewhere at a certain time. But I do not buy that a single one of these parents or relatives lets him out of their sight. Maybe Uncle Frank and some of the kids. But definitely not Aunt Leslie. Definitely not Mom or Dad. There's no chance. They left their kid at home last year. And it completely ruined their their Christmas plans. And they had to, like completely change what they were doing there's no chance they're gonna let that happen again um so i really don't buy that and then yeah just once this movie once he gets to new york i just think it's kind of weird that obviously he's very angry at his family again and i get that but he's learning the same exact lesson all over again and there's certain beats where they literally do the exact same line reading almost and and he does like the thing with the eyebrows and like that whole thing i'm like but but you already did this so once he starts to be like i've had enough of this vacation i want to find my family i'm like that should have been the way it was from the beginning because it's one thing to be left alone at your house and in a neighborhood and city that you know it's another thing to be in a completely different state in a city you don't know like it's insane to me that that it it's not really even a thing for him. He just is going about his life, enjoying it. And I just think it would be so much better if this is a movie where he's more actively trying to find his family and trying to get home. And how do you do that when you're stranded in somewhere you don't know, and you don't know how to like book a flight or do any of the stuff that you would maybe try to do. Um, I don't know. I was just a proponent of a different sequel, something that kind of twists the premise a little bit more than this one does, because sure, it does to a certain degree, and you have a lot more traps. That section of the movie goes on for longer. Um, he's in a different house. He's in a different place, and, and so some of that is a little bit different, but uh, it essentially boils down to about the same thing, and it's insane that all these traps are you know, perfectly feasible because he doesn't know this house he doesn't know it's there so he's pretty lucky that all this stuff is like happening and it kind of made me ask why was he buying soap at a toy store a little bit more of a nitpick but still um and then yeah a lot of this stuff honestly for me was kind of hard to watch i know it's a comedy i know that's you know kind of me being a little bit square and i get that but I mean, the first movie is one thing, but this movie, Jesus, like he electrocutes him and these people are falling from multiple stories. Um, the kerosene in the toilet on the rope, you know, he's setting his head on fire. They they fall through that hole. The the flower falls on, the, on him. He's hitting him with the brick. I'm like, Jesus Christ. I mean, this is a Saw movie. This is torture. Like this isn't as funny. Um and the only one that really makes me laugh every time is the the tool chest, just because of the shot. Every shot of that tool chest going down the stairs and all the tools are like flying out of it and stuff. That is funny. I don't know why, but that's funny to me. But the rest of this I did think was a little bit sadistic. And I think more so that because 
the first movie, it's like, okay, some of this stuff might kill them. I'm sure the paint cans would probably at least knock them out. But a lot of this, eh, you know, it, it seems survivable. This does not seem survivable. And so it gets a little bit harder for me to watch when I'm like, well, they should be dead. And then you have to think about the additional layer of like an eight-year-old plan this or like, a uh, sorry, nine, nine, ten-year-old plan this. Like that's, that's messed up. There's something wrong with this kid. I think you guys, I think you guys might have bigger problems than leaving him in New York, but I don't know. So that was kind of a complaint for me. Uh, and I might be thinking about it too hard uh, and I get that, but there's just so many things where it's like literally the exact same thing happens. And it just seems like they could have stretched a little more. They could have tried a little harder, which is crazy to me because the first one is so perfect. And then this one just feels so lackluster because you get down to the whole thing where it's like, oh no, this scary person who he misjudges. And it's like, well, don't you think that maybe he would think maybe he has that reaction initially and then turns around like wait you're not too bad um because i've literally learned this exact same lesson before also she's not scary it's at a public park there's other people there it's broad daylight and she's covered in birds like i don't know what exactly is scary about that they're not even like crows or something they're pigeons like i don't know what's intimidating about that but um but yeah, that, that just kind of rode me the wrong way. He learns about the same lesson. Uh, he teaches her about the same lesson. Um, it's crazy that Harry and Marv are, are this. Like, that was, I don't know. You know, like, just what are the odds? And then um, and then I think one of the biggest problems, and again, like I, I don't feel like I might get flamed for this, but Macaulay Culkin is just not very good in this. In the first movie, he feels so natural and believable as an eight-year-old kid because that's what he was playing. But in this movie, he had since become way more popular. I mean, his star had risen so high since that first Home Alone movie. And so you kind of get this like, eh, I don't really have to try and kind of phone it in. Like, I'm cool as shit now kind of performance. And I mean, I get it. I can't hold it against him. It would happen to me. It happened to you. Anybody in this situation, this exact thing would happen to. And I understand that. But still, I mean, if you just line up like the whole thing where he's like yelling for his mom in the first movie. And then now in this movie, he's like in the trunk and he's like, mom, where are you? And I was like, oh, okay. Do you want to do a maybe a take two there? Like that, that was terrible. So I don't know. That that's just a little bit distracting too. So in general, I would say this movie is just not as good as the first one. There's a lot of things where it just feels like they got a little bit more sloppy and a lot of it just seems like they copy and pasted the same things and changed the names. Uh I just not a, as big a fan of this one. It's so mediocre and I feel like it could be so great, especially because of the first one. So yeah, I think I sound a little bit more negative than I felt. I mean, when I watch it, I'm always entertained. It's a fun movie to watch, and and I enjoy it. I do still watch it every every year. So I mean, hey, like, what am I really saying here? But still, um, I just feel like it's a lot of missed potential. So, eh, a little more lukewarm. All right, this one's getting long, but hey, I'm covering two movies, and it's a Christmas special. So sue me. Um, <laughs> before I get out of here, I want to say that I'm grateful for my driver's permit. I've been driving around everywhere and it's really fun. And that's, that's my grateful. Um, <laughs> if you enjoyed this, uh, this, this podcast and you want to show it some love, please rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you can do five stars right now. It'd be super helpful. And while you're there, consider subscribing. I, 
uh, I post these every Tuesdays and Thursdays, so if you subscribe, you'll never miss an episode. And if you have somebody in your life who you think would enjoy this show, please send them my way. I'd love to have them. And, uh, yeah, if you if you want to find, like, links to contact me, links to my social media, links to every podcast that I've released so far, and every place you can listen to them, links to buy my clothing brand, you can find all of that at moviesandmorepod.com, which is linked in the show notes. So thank you if you've done all that, and thank you in advance if you're going to. But in the meantime, thank you, as always, for listening. That's the most important thing that you do for me. Uh, and, uh, yeah, until next time. <laughs>